I should have left sooner, I would have still prospered like I did had I left when I knew I should leave. I stayed because of my investment, because of my sunk cost. I stayed longer than I should have. If I would have trusted myself when I knew I needed to go, it would have been much more beneficial. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete proven step-by-step -step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Jen Grayson. Jen, are you ready to rock? I am absolutely ready to rock. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, let me tell the audience a little bit about you. So Jen is one of the top eight women in crypto and a genius at failure. She's currently running Coco, a startup that's the Airbnb of office space, speaks internationally on topics ranging from AI to being a female tech founder and knows the struggle of being a working parent through the longest summer. Oh yeah. So Jen, why don't you fill in a few tidbits about your life? All right. Goodness, that's such a giant question. I have done just about everything there is to do from having my Series 7 license and working in a typical corporate office with pantsuits and ties and that entire lifestyle to being a ghostwriter for New York Times bestselling authors to writing training manuals for accountants at Deloitte. I've done a lot of crazy things and just have always taken on just about every adventure that has ever come my way, which has also led to some amazing bumps and bruises along the way of life. And I tend to learn things the hard way. And so it's been a fantastic experience of getting to explore a lot of different careers, a lot of different relationships, a lot of different connections with people in different countries around the world. So I've done a lot of traveling in the last couple of years. I've been speaking internationally and have been able to experience some amazing places, Monaco and Ireland and India. It's been a lot of fun. Fantastic. Well, as you said, you learn the hard way, but the truth is, is there really an easy way to learn? I mean, if you only, if you don't take the risk, you're not going to learn the stuff. So <laughs> this is my favorite new lesson. Everyone thinks there's an easy way and it's all hard. You just have to pick your hard. Everything is hard, whether you're working out or sitting on the couch, like there's no easy way. We all think that there was an easy path and we just didn't choose it, but it's all hard. So true. And I take care of my 81 year old lovely mother who lives with me here in Bangkok. Yay. And yeah, and she, uh, you know, even at 81, when, you know, you're supposed to have a pretty good, easy life, 
you still got to exercise. You got to keep things moving. You got to work at it. If you stop working at it, everything stops. And so, you know, looking for a comfortable, soft life is not going to be a satisfactory goal probably in life is what I would say. And I want to just put in one more thing. You just made me think, holy crap, I've, I've had to wear pantsuit all my career. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are some people who really like that, but no, 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 no. Pantsuits are not, that's no, that's terrible. No one should yeah. have to wear pantsuits their whole life. Exactly. So now I have my own business, so I wear my Levi jeans. Anyway. Yay. Yes. <laughs> that sounds much better. Exactly. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Oh my gosh. It's, I had built a perfect life for myself. I was a, a new single mom. I was ghostwriting for an amazing client that I'd had for a couple of years. I worked one day a week. Hopefully he's not listening to this podcast because he thought I worked really hard all week long. I went hiking. I took my dog. I had this amazing, amazing setup and had a great place off of a lake. Everything was really fantastic. And I met a guy at a function and he was absolutely brilliant, was into artificial intelligence, computer engineer, just one of those captivating people that you want to know more about their life and was fascinated by everything that he knew. And we kind of got to talking about what he had going on. One day we went to lunch and every time we hung out, it was just, we would hang out for like five hours and he would tell me the neatest, most amazing things about virtual reality and artificial intelligence and amazing things that I really only thought existed in science fiction books. And he was building these things. He was building artificial intelligence. He was building virtual reality gloves. And we went to lunch one day and I said, tell me about this Bitcoin thing. I don't understand it. And he always had a way of explaining things that I just understood them. And I have been, I am that tech person that just doesn't get tech, like at all. Like working my cell phone is a daily challenge for me. And so to have someone who could explain really technical things to me where I understood them was so fascinating. And I was just voracious about learning all of these things about it. So he taught me about Bitcoin and he told it to me in a way that I completely understood it. And this was about three or four years ago. So really before the big craze of Bitcoin that we've kind of seen over the last 18 months. But he also told me that he was starting his own cryptocurrency. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Tell me more. And he started talking about artificial intelligence and really truly building Skynet, you know, that's in the Terminator movie, but you know, that takes over the world, but doing it in a way that wasn't the scary artificial intelligence that we all see in the movies and Ex Machina and Westworld and this artificial intelligence that takes over the world. He had this way of enrolling people in his vision where it was about artificial intelligence for good and how do we equal the playing field so that some kid in Switzerland who wants to be able to use artificial intelligence to 
complete some college exam has the same chance as some giant CEO working for a Fortune 100 company that can afford to pay a huge AWS bill. And he really talked about equalizing the playing field. And to me, it was so fascinating on a social good level that just felt amazing. And the more I started to dig into it, I wanted to ghostwrite for him. It was writing is something that came really easy for me. And so I offered to help him and we talked a lot about what he wanted to build and what he wanted to do and what he wanted to, to put into the world. And I really wanted to be a part of this because it was something absolutely world changing because I was newly divorced and really had a lot of freedom was financially in a really great place, had this super job. I had a lot of flexibility of what I could do and how I could spend my time. And I offered to start ghostwriting for him. The more I started digging into his business plan and what he really thought he could accomplish, my business brain kicked in. And I had run a couple of pretty big businesses, but had left corporate America with a really bad taste in my mouth, never wanted to go back to that. And we had one afternoon and he kind of jokingly said, you should come run my company for me. And at this point, I had drunk the Kool-Aid pretty, pretty hard on this project. I was really excited about it. And I thought about it and thought about, oh my gosh, do I really want to go back to corporate America and, you know, pantsuits and all of that. And I, I thought about it for a while and was like, yeah, but everything I'm doing for this guy, you know, we're, we're reinventing the way corporate structure works. We're working out of our houses. I'm wearing flip-flops. I'm, you know, it, it doesn't have to look like corporate America worked. And so even though I'd be running this company, it was a startup and we were doing it on a global stage with crypto and that community was, was very amazing and very welcoming. And I really saw the potential of this project and the potential to impact small businesses, mom and pop shops, college kids, the players that really needed artificial intelligence could have it in a way he was putting it together. And so we really talked about that and I started doing kind of the business math of it and, you know, had some money that I'd put aside and looked at it and he didn't have any money, but I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to back this thing because I believe in it. And so we had a pretty good plan in place, just like every startup does, I think in the beginning, like, oh yeah, in 90 days, we'll be rolling in it. I agreed to bridge us for 90 days and I took out some loans and we had just enough momentum within that 90 days that I decided to bridge us for another 90 and another 90 and another 90. And we ended up raising some money from some other people. It started to go really sideways. Things weren't getting done. Things weren't getting coded. This was my first experience with software development. And I was really having to rely on his expertise in that field. But I was also relying on my expertise in running a business. And I 
know about deadlines and managing people and managing projects and making sure that what we promise gets delivered. And we started having a lot of really major complications. And I was CEO, which meant I had the fiduciary responsibility. And I started feeling really uneasy about what our investors were getting back. And that he was wanting to start raising more money. I just started getting really, really uncomfortable with what was happening, the risk I was taking on. At this time, the SEC was really starting to look at crypto projects. They weren't coming out with regulations that anybody could follow. I was doing a lot of conversations with attorneys around the world that were trying to navigate the regulation landscape. We were trying to navigate it internally. We had our own attorneys. There were just a lot of things that started going really, really sideways. And I was in a situation where I was so pot committed. I was $150,000 in. It becomes very difficult to make decisions at that point that aren't for me. It was difficult to make decisions as a CEO without thinking about the money I was risking or that I'd already committed. I had decisions that were becoming, how do I get my money back? How do I stay in this long enough that I'm going to get made whole? And so I was making decisions that if my money weren't at stake, might have been different. And it was really at that point that I said I needed to step away. And I needed to be able to look at it as a really expensive education. And I had an amazing mentor who just went to lunch with me on a random suggestion from a friend. And I was really trying to decide what to do because I didn't want to give up on this project, not only because I'd invested in it, but because I believed in it. And I, I really truly wanted to still impact all of those lives. And partly because I was always our end user because I wanted it for me and I wanted it, to be able to make better decisions in my business, in my life, in my boys' lives, it really was an amazing project. And I sat down with this mentor at lunch and he said, what would you say to a CEO in your position if you were coming on today as an advisor? And it really rocked me back on my heels because it allowed me to look at that as a sunk cost of the money's gone. I'm not going to get it back. What decisions do I need to make today? And I just want to interject. That's a great question that you were asked because for the audience in particular, this concept of sunk costs, you had everything in, you know, sunk into this, everything invested of time and money. But if a new CEO came in, he has no attachment to anything that happened before. 
So right. it's such a great thought experiment. It was, and I had an opportunity about a month ago, I ran into that mentor. We hadn't seen each other since that lunch. And I told him that that was a game changer for me. I left that meeting really being able to separate myself from the disappointment, the hurt, the anger at myself, and be able to unemotionally, unattached, look at the situation like somebody new walking onto the scene and be able to say, what would I do? And it then made the decision very easy. I gave my resignation and that was the end of it. And I've thought a lot about it since. And it was, I learned a lot of amazing things, but truly my most, as far as time and money, my most brilliant failure to be sure. And let me ask you a quick couple of quick questions about that. Does that, what you're saying is that ultimately when you walked away, you were walking away from the money that you invested or was there any chance of you getting any of that back? There is the slimmest of slim, slim chances should he ever decide to do a token sale, put this on an exchange. You know, I mean, it's like, I have basically shares in a company that if it ever, <laughs> if anything ever happens, yay. Right. But, you know, it's maybe my kids will get to buy some college textbooks for that. <laughs> no, someday, no. Maybe. It reminds <laughs> me know? of that Jim Carrey movie where he went to the door of the woman and he said, can we go out on a date? And she says, I would only go out on a date with you if you were the last man on earth. And he said, so there's still a chance. So there's still a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. There's a chance. Yes. yes. Now that, you know, a very powerful story. So tell me what lessons did you learn? Oh my goodness. I genuinely, when I think about that and I try to live a life with no regrets, I try to look at every situation that's ever crossed my path as a learning opportunity. And that one, oh man, always get everything in writing. Always assume it's going to go bad. And what is the exit? Anytime you start a business with someone, it's all unicorn farts and rainbows like it's amazing everything is glitter and beautiful and wonderful and then it's like any relationship it gets hard and the honeymoon ends and it's vital to have a relationship with the person you're going into business with or people where you know how to communicate, you respect each other, you have a plan for when it goes really bad. I've thought a lot about where I would be had I just stayed this happy-go-lucky writer who was going on hikes with her dogs and I wouldn't have traveled the world. I wouldn't be an international speaker. I wouldn't be one of the top eight women in crypto. I wouldn't have the business that I have now. 
I wouldn't have met some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And you wouldn't have been on my worst investment ever podcast. Exactly. I'd have some lame-o investment that was like, well, you know, that one time I spent like 20 bucks on lotto tickets. Like, "Ah, that's not a story. And so genuinely, like financially, it was my worst investment. But what I got was an MBA in blockchain, an MBA in business management, an MBA in business relationships, an MBA in communication. I mean, I have a friggin' school loan that's humongous, but I also got an education that, and especially because I'm crazy stubborn, that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. Mm. I have to do everything the hard way. This was one of those. (laughs) Got it. The lessons were great. Well, I mean, I can't wait to talk about your story. And, you know, you really touched on so many things. So I'm just so eager to jump in and summarize what I take away from this. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the great things about this podcast is that it really does force me to listen to other people's stories. And unlike a lot of interview podcasts where, you know, there's a back and forth in question and answer, I really force myself to listen to the story and take notes. And that really helps me to understand you, your story, but also to just get better at listening. So I do love that about what I'm doing, but um, I wrote down something, the triumph of failure, you know, like the idea of how we can triumph through failure. There's a few things that I take away. I mean, one of the things I set up, my best friend, Dale, came from Ohio, visited me and basically set up the, my, one of our businesses in Thailand called Coffee Works. And we set it up right before the 1997 Asian crisis. And you know, the reality is, is that it was brutal. But Dale had the personality and the trustworthiness and we had the relationship and you know, mutual respect that he plotted along through that and managed to make it a successful business through a lot of pain and suffering. And now, you know, he runs a successful coffee business that we both share in. And it reminds me of the the model that I use. Um, You could call it team, T-I-E-M. And that is trust, idea, execution, and money. And anytime I look at investing into a startup type of situation, the first question is, do I trust this person? Trust is only built over time. It's very hard to walk in a situation and say, I trust this person. Uh, The second thing is, so if there's no trust right off the bat, then stop. The next thing is, if there's trust, the next question is, is it a good idea? Now you've explained that it was a good idea. Then after trust and idea, obviously if it's a bad idea, no point in continuing. The next real big question is, can this person execute on this idea? And there's really a huge difference between the type of person that can come up with an idea and the type of person that can execute on it. And part of what you were explaining was, you know, all of a sudden we started missing deadlines and, you know, the, the idea of actually coding this idea into reality, you know, became much tougher. And then finally, um, if you have trust, you have a good idea, you have good execution. <clears throat> if you don't have money, you're not going to get there. So you've got to have the runway that money provides. So trust, idea, execution, money. If those things come together, then it makes a successful startup. So that is one of my big takeaways to think about the steps in investing. The second thing is the idea that you brought up something that's very counterintuitive. Normally what people say is, I want the CEO to have skin in the game. 
I want the CEO to be aligned with the other shareholders and the other investors. But the reality is, is that for CEOs, sometimes it's all of their capital. So that while as for the others that are investing in the company, it's just 1% or 5% of their total capital. The way they think is so different. I've never thought about that. And you really brought it out. And the last thing, so three main things. The third one is the concept of zero-based thinking. And I've done this before and I, I use it a lot and it's exactly what you explain. Um, but the one thing that you always want to make clear in that question that the person asked you and the reason why it's such a valuable question is if a person came along to this situation, knowing what you know now, what would they do? And it's that knowing what you know now that's the critical part. Because obviously if someone just came in the situation, they don't know anything. It's harder to understand. And so this can apply to every part of our life. It can even apply to relationships. Look, you've dated this man or woman for a year now. You stumbled into it in the beginning. But imagine that you, that you approached it today and you walked up to this person, but knowing what you know now about them, would you start this relationship? And if the answer is yes, awesome. Keep building it. If the answer is no, well, that's, that's very valuable information. So zero-based thinking can be super valuable to refocus your mind. So those are my three takeaways from it. Any thoughts on that? Yes, those are all fantastic. And it really, oh, we get so pot committed on everything. And like you said, relationships, right? I mean, people get into relationships. They've, they've been in for years and decades. And it's like, well, but I have so much time invested into this. And it never matters what the investment is, whether it's time or money or anything. We get so hung up on the loss of that, but it's always a sunk cost. You can't recover it. And when we make decisions from there, it's all fear-based decision-making. And that's not the best place to make decisions from. And, and trust me, there's people listening to this podcast right now. And I address this to you, Mr. or Mrs. Listener. I know that all of us are facing situations that are tough right now in our personal and our professional life. And I challenge you to raise the question that Jen has really brought out to us, which is, you know, knowing what, I, what you know now, you know, what would you do in that situation that you're in? And I think that that can bring true clarity to you know, to our thinking process. Now, let me, let me ask another question, which is based upon what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn uh, from it. What one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Because remember, your mistake may not, at the time that you made the initial mistake, let's say, or that you, you went into this, it was different from the moment that you had lunch with that person that said, you know, if you were walking up to it, what would you do? But at that moment, so let's go through what you would do differently. What's the one thing that you would recommend someone in your situation to do? Trust your gut. I should have left sooner. I would have still prospered like I did had I left when I knew I should leave. I stayed because of my investment, because of my sunk cost. I stayed longer than I should have. 
And all that managed to do was create more havoc, more dissension, more hurt. If I would have trusted myself when I knew I needed to go, it would have been much more beneficial. Let me wrap that up by asking you a question. I mean, you talked about setting 90, 90 day targets or something like that. Do you mean that, to, that you should have stood by that and said, no, if we don't get where we need to go in 90 days that I thought about in the beginning, I got to stop. It should, yeah. should be setting some side of objective, hard guidelines that if we don't meet those. Yeah, I think what I failed to include was what is the repercussion? If we miss this deadline, then this is going to happen. And because there wasn't ever a repercussion, we just kept pushing the deadline out. And so instead of, okay, we're going to do this October 15th. Okay, now we're going to do it November 15th. Okay, now we're moving into January 15th. What I needed to say was, we are either doing it by this date or I'm leaving, I'm hiring a new coder, whatever. There should have been a follow-up repercussion. And because of our structure, which was not as thorough as it should have been, and that was merely because of my in my inexperience, I didn't have enough control. I mean, we were partners, but we really weren't. And I, you know, a lot of it, I was CEO and name only. And so I didn't have the power behind me to be able to say, you know, to carry through on the threat of, I'm going to go hire someone or I'm going to this or you're fired or whatever. It just, and so I didn't have anything, I, any firepower behind me. And so that really was, I think, the other piece of it was no going in. What are you going to do when things go sideways and how are you going to back it up? And are you willing to leave? And what does that need to look like? You know, really having those things in place because no, you know, like you said, you never go into things thinking they're going to go sideways, but man, you better have a plan for if they do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you know why Jen is a top woman in crypto. Now you know why she's a speaker internationally and has her own startup. Partially, it's because of the pain and the struggle of her worst investment ever that built the strength and knowledge to be able to bring that to the ventures that you're in. So fantastic. Now, my last question is, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? I, in the next 12 months... Gosh, that's such a good one. That seems like forever. I am absolutely 100% thrilled about my current startup, mostly because I have the most fantastic partners anyone could ever, ever, ever ask for. And we've had stuff go really sideways on us. And we've had some fantastic <laughs> heated discussions, but we also have a massive amount of respect and regard for each other. And so, Seeing that take off, we've got some runway and I'm excited to see that fly. I'm excited to see that starting to change some lives as far as the way we all work. 
that none of us should ever have to wear a pantsuit. And so I'm committed to uh, creating some spaces where we can work how we want to work and, and start, each of us can start changing the world. And as a mom of two little boys, I always want amazing things to happen for them. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what they get to accomplish in the next year. Mm, exciting. Well, on the, on the work front, I'd say um, maybe your goal is to reduce the number of pantsuit wearing people by yes. 0.05% <laughs> within 12 months, of course. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Reduce was, the number of pantsuits in, in cubicles. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, yeah. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit my worst investment ever. And while you're there, send me your story of loss so we can get you on the show. As we end, Jen, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Every failure has a lesson. Beautiful. And it's the objective is learn it. And that's yes. the benefit learn of failing. Learn it the first time. Yes, learn it the first time if you possibly can, because oof, it just the lessons get bigger and harder and bloodier. Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.